This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the Birth Queen Podcast, everyone. Today, I have Amari Maynard with us, and I'm so excited to be able to honor you um, and your brilliance and sweet, special spirit on this podcast. Um when we met, I just was like, he, he is a special dude. Um, and you have not had an easy journey, but um, there's something about, I just feel like you were called to this and the, the packaging really sucks. Um, but I'm like getting goosebumps as I say this. Um, but yeah, I, you just, you're special, Amari, and I'm so blessed to to be able to call you a friend and a partner in this work. Um, but for those folks who do not know you, who is Amari? Yes, uh, it's an awesome introduction. Um, who is Omari? I am a father. I'm a father. I am a son. I'm an artist. I'm a teacher. I'm an educator. Um, I am a man who has unfortunately lost his partner due to you know maternal health issues and the maternal health epidemic um and all the unfortunate things that come with being black in America you know there's a lot of hoops and potholes and all types of things that we have to you know all deal with being um you know just being in a culture that's rooted in white supremacy but um you know, we're here, we're navigating and we're doing the things. Um, and unfortunately, you know, I, again, I, I lost my partner due to a, a pulmonary embolism 13 days after she gave birth to our second child. Um, but in her passing, you know, I've learned so much about myself, about, you know, community, about what it takes to sustain and be um, and using grief as a way to, you know, be a conduit to life, you know, and, and uh, those things might've happened, but they may not have been exacerbated the way they have been since the passing of my life partner, Shimani Gibson, Shimani Makiba Gibson. <laughs> Hi, Shimani. Um, <laughs> it's like, I just feel like we have to hold space for a moment, but what I would ask is, um, what I feel is often in this journey of the Black maternal health crisis, you as fathers are left out. And I think before we even lose a partner, right? Like just is, as far as the journey of being a Black father, that 
that story to me is not elevated enough. Mm-hmm. And there are so many beautiful Black fathers. And so what I would love for you to highlight is is the beauty that has been born out of this and your art and the connection that you have to fathers that are sharing your experience. Um, can you share a little bit about how yeah. that and, and where you are and like in that journey? Yeah, most definitely. I think, I mean, there's so many layers to this because. No, that's why I was like, I don't even know where yeah, to nah, I mean, just relationship wise, right? If we just step back and just think about relationships and how, I mean, everybody grows up differently, you know, but for me, you know, I just remember being a child. I remember being eight, nine, 10 years old. And the thing was from the elders was like, how many girlfriends you got, you know? And so that's, you know, kind of the culture that I I was, you know, raised and rooted in. And, you know, it it was all love. It wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't coming from a, you know, a, a, a mean place, but at the same time, it sets intentions on how you, you know, navigate relationships. Mm-hmm. And when I met Shimani, you know, uh, we were friends at first, which was awesome, which allowed for us to really get to know each other, you know, and in our relationship, you know, it wasn't easy. I, like, I, to be honest, like, you know, I, I loved her and she was amazing, but it, it was a lot of learning that I had to do about myself, about what it took to maintain a relationship, about what long-term relationships meant, the things that you have to do to really make sure that it's fortified and that, you know, the communication piece to it and, you know, just men and communicating in general is like, it's like oil and water, you know? So um, (laughs) having to really kind of just learn and have a partner that's willing to, allow the learning process to happen. You know, it's just so important. Um, and I say all of this to say that, you know, we had, so we we knew each other for, I want to say about a good four years or so. And then we started like seriously dating. And then like two months later, she was pregnant with our first child, you know? So like, so as we're kind of figuring out this new monogamous relationship, we also have a child on the way in here. So. That in itself was like it was turmoil. It was it was honestly it was turmoil. It was a lot, but the the thing that made me know that this person I wanted to be with was because as much as she told me about myself and all the shit that I needed to change and do and I was fucking up, she was also very willing to turn the mirror on herself and be like, "These are the things that I got to work on," and you know, figuring out how to do it together. You know, so um, a lot of things were implemented. You know, one, again, just communicating and constant communication, over-communication, you know, going to therapy, going to couples therapy, you know, um, and really just um, learning that adjustments need to be made in terms of what we do and how we move on both of the sides, you know. So when we had our second child, like at that point, I was like, you know, this is going to work. Is, is this going to be amazing? We're going to be, you know, a strong couple together. You know, we're going to raise these babies and enjoy life. And then it's fucking crazy because, like, it literally felt like the next day, like, she ended up fucking passing away. So, you know, it was just kind of that um, eye-opener of one that, you know, things don't last forever. You know, nothing is promised. You know, making sure that you take advantage of your moments and your times when you have people, especially special people in your life, you know. Um, but 
what her passing also did was uh, made me understand the importance and the need to have constant communication with our ancestors as well, right? And, and really cultivating that relationship with her specifically, now that she's on the ancestral plane and I'm, you know, me and the babies and the family essentially is, you know, it's here Earthside and, you know, what that looks like and how, how that works. So that kind of can transition us into, you know, why art in itself is just so important for me and how I'm now navigating the world, you know. So um, before she passed away in 2017, 2016, 2017, we started a business called Art for Living um, and got it incorporated. And essentially what Art for Living is, is a lifestyle brand where we bring art and different um, artistic events to bring community together, you know, to do dope shit with the community, like, you know, sipping paints and we murals, exhibitions. We did a lot of stuff with Parks and Rec. You know, we did uh, anything that you could put paint or just do some creative with and you know, bring people together with, we, we did it. You know, and it really taught me a lot about business. It taught me a lot about being in, a, being in a business relationship with somebody you're in a relationship with. Like, that shit is fucking heavy, you know, but it was dope. <laughs> it was really cool because at the times where, you know, like relationship wise, we weren't, we were kind of button heads. We still yeah. have to make the business happen, right? We still got to make the money. So when we're button heads in relationship, but we're doing business and it's working, and that money comes in, that check comes in, or the event is dope, it's like, okay, well, you know, the it, it made the relationship strong because then certain things you just kind of yeah. like, fuck it, you know, it is what it is. And again, it's a part of the learning process. Um, so, when she passed, you know, Arthur Living, it pretty much kind of transitions into um, the ARIA Foundation. And with the ARIA Foundation, it stands for the Advancement of Reproductive Innovation Through Artistry and Healing. So her mother, Shawnee Gibson, and I co-founded this foundation, this not-for-profit, to do the exact same thing, pretty much. Use different art modalities and healing techniques in order to bring the community together, in order to shed light on the maternal health um, epidemic. Um, but, you know, more than anything, in order to, you know, ensure sustainability for, for the Black family, you know. So um, that's where we're at now, you know. So I use art as a way to to really dig deep in, 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 in my grief. A lot of a lot of people don't want to feel nowadays, you know, like everything is like, I want to just be happy and shit don't work that way. You know, Ooh, so. Um, never lied. I had one of those not happy days yesterday. Yeah. I was like, I don't like this. <laughs> right? But I, I appreciate you saying that because I think it makes it worse when you're not happy that you're, you failed in some way. Yeah. And as a parent, I remember making the choice when Samuel is about two to show him my different feelings mm -hmm. because I don't think we help each other, our children by hiding our humanity and our feelings from them. Definitely. Uh, yeah. So, so thank you for that reminder because it can be tough when you're having a tough day. Cause you feel like you shouldn't have tough days, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but like tough. 
It is. Life is tough, and um, we all are going to go through. If you're living, it's inevitable, right? You're going to go through all the things, you know? Um, And art allowed me to understand that it's okay to be in a dark space, but there has to be movement, right? It's it's okay to be there, but you can't stay there, right? And art allowed me, uh, gave me the ability to not stay there and to use it in order to, excuse me, in order to create, you know? So um, in my my darkest times, like I would, in times where I'm feeling just like trash and alone and angry and all the things, you know, because my partner was essentially taken away from me. Um, I used art as a way to to use that low vibrational energy and transfer it to, into something that was tangible. And mm-hmm. I, I I saw like how it was affecting me and and I saw the importance of it. And essentially what I started doing was, you know, reaching out to other fathers and, you know, other fathers who had stories of losing their partner as well. And having those conversations with them in terms of letting them know that they are supported, that, you know, there are the men out there who are dealing with and going through the same things and using art or creating portraits for them of their partners as a way to show my solidarity, as a way to, you know, give them something tangible for their family to, you know, honor their partner, um, but yeah. also to tell their partner's stories because, you know, thankfully, if you haven't seen Aftershock, go see Aftershock. It is on Hulu. It is an amazing piece of art. It's a film that um, highlights the stories of our family and then also Bruce McIntyre, who lost his partner, Amber Rose Isaac, um, due to maternal health complications. But um, the film has allowed us to be able to speak and have these conversations and highlight Shimani and Amber. You know, but when we talk about statistics and we talk about the numbers and we talk about this epidemic, you know, there's thousands of shamanis and embers, you know, and and thousands of stories that unfortunately don't get told the way they need to, so that people can really understand who these women are and how important they were to their families and their communities, you know. So um, using art as a way to be able to tell their story and continue for people to speak their name as well, it was so important, you know, for, for everybody. Um, so, you know, that's just one way, you know, that I've, I've been, you know, really intentionally trying to, not trying to, intentionally using art as a way to, to, um, heal, heal myself, heal other men, heal families. Yeah. That's beautiful. Um, in a more like logistical way, like how, for any dad or, you know, family member or friend that listens to this, that's been affected, what advice would you give to a father? Like, as he kind of has to navigate this space and, and that can be in any capacity, just Mm -hmm. like, because no man thinks they're going to be a single father. Yeah. Not really a concept. Right. But I think, we have to realize that's a lot. That's a lot of men's reality mm-hmm. as a result of this crisis. So, yeah, like what? Or just kind of how? How did you navigate? Or maybe what do you wish you would have known? Or, I mean, f- for me, like, I've I've 
I've been blessed to be in, you know, in a life in this body surrounded by community. Like I got a dope community. I got amazing friends. I've got amazing people I don't even know who are just just willing to help and support. Um, but you know, unfortunately, I know many men who just don't, you know. So the first thing I would say is to be open to communicate. You got it. You can't. This is something. This the extreme, right? So the extreme is losing your partner, right? Um, and the something that's not necessarily as extreme is just having the child and having to learn how to, you know, navigate this new family. All these things are, are hard, you know. Um, so I would say regardless of whatever side of the spectrum you're on, um, it's important to, to have people to talk to, have, to have people outside of your partner, of your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, whoever's in your circle to, to talk to, you know, and more importantly than that, you know, to have other black men, you know, that you can speak to or just men in general, like that is like, for me was huge and is huge. Um, I kept seeing one. I kept seeing my therapist, you know, from uh, the couples therapy that me and Shimani went, went to. Um, Shawnee's best friend is also a grief counselor and a eulogist. So I would speak mm -hmm. to him often, you know, just about the things that I'm going through. Um, also within our circle, you know, men would reach out to me uh, via social media who've lost their partner as well. And I would have conversations with them. Um, and it was so important for me to really talk to them because they were men who I knew went through the same thing that I did. And I yeah. could ask and, you know, have conversations with them around certain specific things that I just wasn't comfortable talking to with other people, you know. So having different touch points is so important. And then, you know, on top of that, having touch points, of uh, again, of other men, other Black men who are, able there who are your professionals are there to help or have liked experiences is, is it makes it it makes the navigation of this new life of these new feelings a lot more tangible a lot more palatable you know but i would say like how how did you open yourself up to do that because mm. even as a black woman when I'm having a hard, like I'm in a hard chapter, but I have to be conscious about being vulnerable to ask for help because I'm the person that's never asked for anything. Yeah. So, and I know as like men, but also for sure, black men to feel comfortable, to open themselves up, to ask for support or to, to just be like, I'm falling apart today. Like, yeah. Do that. You know, to, to be honest, man, again, it, this goes back to the story, right? Like, Shimani really was fucking grooming me. She was grooming me. And, you know, and that's just what it was. Like, you know, I, again, I wasn't the most communicative person, like, especially when it came to the things that I felt that I needed to hold on to in terms of my feelings, you know, but having to have to go to couples therapy, having to constantly have conversations with this girl, like, it was like, yo, you are busting my brain. But, you know, in hindsight, it was so important because it made me understand, like, these are things I don't need to harbor. Like, you feel it, let the shit go. Let it go. And then, you know, deal with, create solutions, right? We all want to be solution-oriented. You know, don't create more problems. 
But um, for somebody who doesn't necessarily have that, that's why I say it's so important for you to be able to be in a circle uh, that that you're comfortable in, right? So, um, so I for all of, for all these touch points that I've been talking about, you know, I created a a group called the Luxor Collective. So it is a group of black men who get together every other Thursday for an hour and a half and, and we talk, you know, and it's, it's virtual, it's via Zoom. So it started out as being something that I wanted to provide men who lost their partner due to maternal mortality. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, just I've quickly found that just navigating life in America as a black man is something that is traumatic in itself, you know, and, and offers so many different reasons for you to be able to have offer so many different reasons for you to be able to feel like you need to hold on to certain shit because you just, it's just, you know, it's, it's hard to trust people, you know, and it's hard to be vulnerable and it's hard to let people in, you know? So, uh, created, you know, this group and we meet every other Thursday and we, you know, we talk, we pick a topic and, and we talk, you know, and it's dope because one, um, it's, like it's generations, it's a gambit of people. So like I'll have men in there who are 60, 70 years old and then men who are 20, you know? Yeah. And then also I'll have, you know, it's not just a group of men in general, but it's men who've lost their partners due to maternal health. It's men who've lost their child due to stillbirth. It's men who've lost their partners due to, due to cancer. It's men who haven't had a relationship or don't have children, but are just looking for guidance and support. It's men who are professionals in their own rights, in their own spaces. So I'll have professors there. I have my, my therapist shows up every every other week. Uh, my grief counselor shows up when he can. I have men who also have their own men's group and support groups and foundations. So it's a kind of a, it's a gamut where it's, it's, where it's wise and where it's lengthwise and then widthwise, right? So it, it provides perspectives from all, kind of accounts and, and allows for the young men to learn from the elders and the elders to be learn what's up from, you know, from the young men. And it, it provides and it creates uh, just dope dialogue, man. And, and it's ill because, you know, as a black man, there's really not too many spaces that are like that where you can just talk to other black men. It's just, it's ill, you know, and, um, I'd say, like, for me, like, it's, and for anybody who really joins, like, it's always one of those things where it's like, it is like, oh, man, it's a breath of fresh air. You know, like, yeah. I need that, you know? Right. How does it make you feel? Because, like, I mean, I don't, I doubt that, like, many people are walking around asking Black men, how do you feel? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah nah, for real. And it's the same as a Black woman. Like, nobody's like, how yeah. are you? They're like, you're yeah. great, you're strong. I'm like, well, not today. Pretty fragile, actually. Like, yeah, nah. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, like you, we will get these men who feel like they need to be closed off. But, you know, once it's like, you know, it's like a faucet. Once you kind of tap that faucet open and the water just starts running, you can't get them to shut up, you know? But, you know, but it's because, like, like you said, nobody asks them these questions. Nobody, you know, really is creating a space for them to be supportive, to be vulnerable, to, to, you know, be heard, you know? And, um, you know, so again, like I, again, every other week I leave for films, man, I feel energized. It takes me to the next two weeks. Um, and then everybody 
who um, joins and, and participates, you know, they say the same thing. Um, but it's it, it, the the thing about Luxor and the reason why it's so dope, though, is because it's essentially, you know, a part of it is, is just men getting together and we just talking shit, you know. But um, uh, the the deeper component is that there are men who are in the space who are professionals and who can provide right. real insight, you know, so that things that we can't necessarily get through in that hour and a half, you have now another person that you can hit up, you know, on right. the side, have one-on-one or, you know, create Maybe other relationships with yeah. it. Yeah. I think there's something about like when life hits, right? It can feel very lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it, it can also feel burdensome because you don't want to like burden someone else, but there is this magic in having a shared experience. Like I have a girlfriend going through similar things in, in her personal life than I am. And my girlfriend the other night was like, well, is that bad? Cause you guys are both struggling. I'm like, no, we just kind of both just kind of hold each other together. Like, because we know exactly what it feels like. Like there is a day, just, you know, those moments when the kids you're exhausted and then like both kids are screaming and then the dog pees on the floor. Like it's like complete. <laughs> like, and she, I'll never forget one day I'm on the phone and we were trying to finish our conversation and she's like, okay, go handle everything. It's going to be okay. And then I just, a ping came through and she goes, I love you. You're doing mm. great. And it's like, she just validated. She knew exactly what I was feeling in that moment. Mm. And I, I think what you're sharing is sometimes you just need somebody who knows exactly what you're feeling so that you don't have to explain it. Cause mm. I'm sure. I have not endured anything close to what you have, but do you even have the words sometimes to Mm -hmm. even explain it? Probably not. This episode is brought to you by sax.com at sax.com. It's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full nineties throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch, find inspiration for your new vibe every day at sax.com. No, not at all. A lot, a lot of it is is the feeling, and sometimes, like it feels like <laughs> you know, like when you're on the verge of tears, but you're just holding it in, you're just sucking it down. That like that knot that is like just ever kind of omnipresent, you know, it's sometimes it's just that feeling. And it's like, how do you describe that? You know, but when you are in, aligned with other men or just people, because we're all people, we're all going, essentially, we're all dealing with something that is similar, right? But there aren't many spaces for us to communicate that in a way that allows for a solution, allows for something to really come out of it, you know? And um, and like you said, sometimes it's just not words. So if I'm just like, man, shit is fucking hectic, you know? And like, sometimes that's enough, you know, to be like, yo, I, yo, shit, I get it. Like, I know, like, I know exactly what you yeah. mean. You know, so like when you say important to put that call out, like, I don't know, you know, how do you handle those? Because I feel like when the darkness hits, you can go really deep. 
Yeah. You know, so what do you do when that happens? You know, what do you, do you have like a, a ritual or like a... Yeah, my thing is because that's to your point, um, having the men's group and being able to have those conversations is dope, right? But that's every other week, right? And let's we talk about the other 13 you know, days and 23 or 22 and a half hours that you kind of try to still figure it out between the sessions. And, um, yeah, so for me, it's like, yeah, I, I, over these last three and a half years or so, I've had to really kind of build a regimen, like build safety nets in order to, um, be able to navigate the rest of the time because, you know, between the business, between the not-for-profit, between my work, between the kids and, or the other life, you know, life things that have to happen. Like I gotta be, I gotta be ready for it all, you know. So, um, I've implemented something that's called that I call, you know, mind body spirit training, you know. And essentially, it is if I can, cause yo. So when you said the kids are screaming and the, and then you turn around the dog pissed on or something like, <laughs> and it's like yo, like. I was here, and this is my cat, but now I'm here. And it's like, yo, like, so when I'm feeling like this is my cat and I'm here, then I think about, all right, when I'm in the gym and I'm working out and this is my cat and they're like, do five more fucking sets and I got to get here. Then I know if I could get to those five sets, then I know I could deal with the screaming kids and clean the pee up because I've done it, right? And it's transferable. So, um, so that is essentially like the mind, body, and spirit thing. If I'm working out my, my body and I'm and I'm taking my body to a limit, then I know I can take my mind to a limit, right? And I know if I'm taking my mind to a limit, I can take my spirit to a limit, right? And so I don't know what those limits necessarily are, but what I do know is that if I can push through this, I can push through that. And just the knowing allows me to, Sit in the shit sometimes, you know, and know that once I'm sitting here, like I'm going to get out and I'm going to get out better, right? I'm going to get out stronger. I'm going to get out, you know, with more discernment. I'm going to get out with with better understanding. I'm going to get out with something tangible that will allow me to build better solutions. Yeah. With, with everything. Yeah. I think there's this thing too to kind of, um, so you know me, I like to joke. So I have a joke thing with the parenting. But when the shit happens, you know, I'm a sensitive Pisces, but I don't like to not feel happy, you know, but it's okay to be like, this is shit. Because I think too, when you're always the provider, the caretaker, the solution oriented individual, you don't often have time to sit in shit. So I think it's like, I'm going to claim this shit moment right now and acknowledge like, this is shit. Like, this mm-hmm. sucks. It's hard. I'm hitting walls and ceilings and I'm tapped. And know too that it's like too much who is given, much is required. God don't give you nothing you can't handle. And I think all of those things are great. And you have to also say like, I, I'm, I'm having an a lot moment right now. Um, and then in the, the, the thing I do when the kids and all the things, you know, I remember right after having Baldwin and like, they both needed me, you know, and I was like, I need to breastfeed and I need to feed you. And every, like, I would just kind of like come out of my body and watch. Mm. 
I just like, zoop, I'd come up here and watch and go, okay, this moment is happening and it's going to end. And it's like triage, like what has to be fixed first? Mm. Right now, it's really loud and out of order and it's not clean and pretty and that's okay. It's just beautiful chaos. And that's, that's like my hashtag for parenting, but it's really life because you can't have light without darkness. You can't have love without pain. Like it's, you need the paradox. And Mm -hmm. so I think both can be true, which I think as black people, we've been so sold this idea that we're superhuman and so strong and resilient. Uh, I think it's a side effect. (laughs) Some shit we have to go through. But we are also soft and all of those other things. Um, And so I think we're out of touch with that. So I think what's so beautiful about having you on is you're an example of a sure, strong Black man, physically, mentally, and spiritually, but you also are an artist who's very, I don't know if soft is the right word, but sure. And so I thank you for having that vulnerability and being that example for humanity because it's not supported in our society and it's not easy to, to tap into those feelings. And I know Shamani may have beat them out of you. (laughs) Oh, I laugh because I'm like, I think we have things in common. She's like, and you go talk. Real love, okay? Like, we don't go through the motions together, okay? Like, and that's what we have to do is the togetherness of it. Um, I mean, I I have so many thoughts, but I feel like those conversations would be really beautiful with like black men and women because I think we both have kind of swallowed this idea and digested this idea that we're both so strong. Yeah. But we're yeah. kind of craving that softness to, and that togetherness, but because we have to build these outer shells, they repel us often um, in relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this might be a controversial statement, but I wonder if that's a, a draw to an interracial dynamic because that other person doesn't have that hard shell. Mm-hmm. Um component i'm not saying that's like the only reason yeah yeah yeah. no definitely like you know it could be um you know because everybody deals with you know everybody's life is different right so we don't know exactly i'm sure there's white people we've done or had to go through way more rougher times than some blacks of course you know but but walking around with white privilege even if you had crazy ass abuse and like the way my best friend puts it, who's Oakland from born and raised Oakland with me, Irish Italian. She's like, this is why she breaks down white privilege. She's like, when you go to CVS or the grocery store, do they have your shampoo mm. and your foundation color? Yes. So she said, your basic needs are always considered. Didn't say you didn't have a hard life. Mm-hmm. All of your basic needs considered and that is white privilege and when she Mm. broke it down she works in beauty so it was like a a perfect example and so people were kind of butting heads with her at work and when she put it that way then they were like oh okay that makes sense yeah Yeah. definitely my best friend goes to buy her hair care and it's in a different aisle or it's locked up and they don't have her foundation (laughs) often 
right? So it it's interesting, you know, we have different entry points. I feel like I digress, but um, you know, our experience also it's okay for us as black people to acknowledge that we do have a different experience. And yeah, slavery's over, but it ain't over. Yeah, no, not at all. It's it's uh yeah, I was <laughs> it's crazy because I was thinking about this the other day about you know, what would be the next thing that I'm creating and like, what story do I want to tell? And that's one of my questions. What are you giving birth to next? So go. So, so but like to, to what you were saying, like, I started thinking about just white supremacy and the culture and how it's always just kept us down. And it's like, you know, it was like a at one point, it was a, the wolf in sheep's clothing, right? And then it was, it turned into like the the um, shepherd, you know? And and th- so it was like, t- and the analogy that I made in my brain was like, all right, was he, first of all, it was just the wolf, right? The wolf was just eating the sheep, right? And then it was the shepherd kind of leading the sheep into its demise, right? And then it turned into, the wolf in sheep's clothing and, you know, you just kind of being in a system in which you think that you're operating with people who are like mine, but they're really not. And then it turns like to, and then I just started thinking like, now it's like, it's not even any of that. It is like the fucking grass that the sheep are eating is, is what's being, is what's killing us now. You know, so or I say all of this to say that, you know, as overt as it used to be, you know, and if you're not overt, but as uh, I guess in your face as it used to be, you know, yeah. is is just now way so much more just ingrained in all of the things that are around us. So it makes it harder to kind of pinpoint who is the is the um, the person who is keeping our people in the state of which we are now, and even worse than before. You know, yeah. so. Um, what I want to do, but what I want to create is, is the why. So like, why are we here and how did we get here? And then, cause I'm not a history guy at all, but you know, when I really start thinking about the reasons why black men can't get together, you know, and I start to kind of look at history and, and knowing that, you know, the slave laws and the black laws stated that, you know, if you have five people, five black people, men or black people that were together that was illegal you know and i start to think about okay well then that makes sense why even though that was you know back then why still we don't necessarily congregate the way we need to do now and then i start thinking about you know just the education and, and um how uh you know um ebt and and um child welfare creates a system where, you know, you the black father has to be outside of the family in order for the mother to get support and how that affects our relationships. Yeah. You think- know. So this is what I want to like, you know, kind of create and just yeah. figure out a way to make it look dope. But at the same time, you know, educate our people because unfortunately we're not reading, you know, we're not really reading the way we need to do. We're not really, I feel like, you know, with um, social media and if you're able to use it in a way that's beneficial, you can you can get a lot of information. But, you know, just trying to figure out ways to create the, you know, create the dialogue, create the questions, you know, and, and do it in a way that looks dope, but makes you really kind of think. I have this purpose, you know, and I think, 
I believe that when you're rooted in your purpose, just so much more can fall into alignment, right? And even just that, the the it's a fortification of mind, body, and spirit when there's there's a root. And I think that's the whole thing, right? If you if you speak, you know, we're two artists speaking, so we were plucked, we were uprooted mm-hmm. from everything. And it was, and we're continuously plucked, right? So we're like, we can't get our footing. So, you know, a plane needs to land mm-hmm. <laughs> at some and that's a yeah. very anxious that that was the way someone helped me identify my anxiety when I was pregnant in 2020 with Baldwin and I had never had anxiety. And I was like, I don't know what this feeling is. And she's like, it's like a plane that can't land. And I said, Yes. And it's very upsetting to not feel settled. And I feel like if if to your point we ask why, like what is my why? When you can answer that question, every like it's like you, you know, not that you have blinders on, but you're just focused as mm-hmm. opposed to this culture we're in of like swiping and worrying about what people are doing in the left and right lane. Like you're not gonna reach your destination. And so you put your blinders on and and visualize that finish line. Mm-hmm. And, and and I I I believe that's really beautiful. But again, unless there's space and time for you to ask that question or yes. that question, you can't clarify what your vision is, you know? And I think there's many even of our elders where it was just about survival, right? Surviving is not a why. Yeah. Yeah. And that that was the impetus for me often a lot for Birth Queen foundation is that my mom was like, well, we've all survived. Your grandfather survived. This was, I'm like, I don't want to survive my day. <laughs> like surviving is not attractive to me because mm-hmm. most other people, you know, that are not black. Yes. People in Ukraine are worrying about surviving every day. I'm not discounting that. But the fact as a whole people were in America, black Americans, we do worry about surviving our day. And that robs us of so much joy or exploration even mm-hmm. you know and so like being a mother for me is about making sure our kids have freedom to explore and be free for as long as possible before those realities um kind of hit mm-hmm. so i like i like the why that's my long answer <laughs> um so what can we do to support your next vision? Yeah. Um, so many things you could do. Again, watch Aftershock. Go and watch Aftershock. After you watch Aftershock, go and tell somebody else to watch it and have a conversation with your mom and your sister and your aunt and your brother and all the people you, you who you value. Um and then outside of that, you can go see, go check on com. Go check out some of my artwork. Um, check out the ariafoundation.org. See what we're doing as a nonprofit to help support the community. Um, is there more room in the collective for men if they want to join? Of course, of course, okay. of course. You so can email me at um, omari.maynard at gmail. Or you can go to the Aria Foundation page and get information about um, 
the Luxor Collective. We meet virtually every third, every other Thursday. So this Thursday, we're going to be meeting from 7.30 to 9 p.m. Um, um, yeah, so get shoot me an email. I'll shoot you the link. You know, we, we can make it happen. Um, but, you know, more than anything, like, you know, I, I tell, to your point, you know, sometimes life, not even sometimes, life in this in this Western world is created for us not to have time to think. That's essentially what it is, right? It is only enough time to do. So like like I I I ask and just plead with everybody to do that. You know, create some time to think, create time to be creative. Um, because there's just so much that we just so many untapped resources that we have as black people that, you know, it's just it's really amazing, man. Um but we have to we have to dig, you know, we gotta find the time in order to really create the life that we want to live, essentially, you know, and the life we want our children to live. So, you know, please, please guys, do it. I love it. Yeah. Take take time to be still and think. And it's and feel the feels, right, Amari? <laughs> It's feel okay. All the feels. Feel all the feels, but don't stay down in the in the depths of the deep dark waters for too long. It's my oxygen. Yeah. Um, well, I love you so much, and thank you for making time to join us today. Um, I I'm always here for you. Um, <laughs> I remember when you introduced me <laughs> at the panel, and you were like, "If you uh-huh. want to get." done call a busy person <laughs> and i was like i don't know how i became that busy person some days i look up like am i really this busy like uh sure. i don't know i'm like we, we out here trying to do well and good in the crisis yeah. so we thrive um just enjoy all that life has to offer because it's it is beautiful even if though it's chaotic at times so um, have a beautiful day. Um, I'm glad you just rocked your your, your sleeveless tank. That I'm like, oh, he feels comfy, cozy. Good. That's what I like. I like it. I like it. Um, Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. I love you, too. Thank you for being who you are. Thank you for, you know, creating space for us and for us to, you know, really connect and have the you know, Great shifts. Did you hear me? Yeah. Well, I appreciate you, brother man.